Hey, what's up, good people? It's Jay Ray, the co-host of Q Points, and I wanted to come to you because there are two really important ways that you can support our show. One is by subscribing to it wherever you listen to or watch your podcast. Q Points is pretty much everywhere. The other thing that you can do is you can visit us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and on Podchaser, and you can leave us a star rating. Please rate us five stars because you know you love Q Points. And on Apple Podcasts and on Podchaser, you can actually leave us a written review. It's not required, but it really does help to spread the word about the show and it helps people to discover it as they're looking for new podcasts to listen to. We're always appreciative of you supporting Q Points. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us so far and enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome back to Q Points, your favorite podcast for all things Black music related, dropping the needle on Black music history. I am DJ Sir Daniel. My name is Jay Ray, also known by my government. My name is uh, Jay Ray, also known by my government as Johnny Ray Cornegay the third. What's happening, people? Listen, if you... <laughs> If you, if you, if your brain hasn't been buffering like J Ray's just now, and your your Twitter timeline is out of sync, but you're here with us right now, it's gonna be okay. Things have been weird. Just be thankful you're not stuck on a plane or a train or in a thunderstorm somewhere. You're here with us right now, so we are so happy to see you, J Ray. What's the business, man? How you how you been? How have you been? Oh. Sir Daniel. So, so much mm-hmm. to check in on. I will definitely, we'll definitely get into that in this next segment. Yeah. But generally, I am well. How are you doing? I can say this. I say the same thing. I share the same sentiments. And I think both of us kind of are like, we're, we're, again, we're doing this middle age thing. And I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate when we'll, we'll catch up on that a little bit later, but J Ray, please share with the folks how they can maintain contact with us and never, ever miss out on an episode of Q points or whatever it is we're doing. Check it out y'all. So please be sure that y'all are fully subscribed to Q points. If you are tuning into the show and you're like, I want to get all the stuff that they talk about, including the show notes for this show, you need to go ahead and join the newsletter. The newsletter is going to be back for the new year tomorrow. So we're super excited about that. So make sure that you sign up for the newsletter. Also, subscribe. So we got some new, new. Sir Mm -hmm. Daniel done did a mix for the Insiders Max members. Is so hot. And in order for you to get it, you have to subscribe and become an Insiders Max member of Q Points. You can do that by heading over to our website at uh, qpoints.com and just click on that subscribe button. And if you are like, listen, I think those guys are dope. I just want to give them, you know what I'm saying? Show them a little love. You can leave us a tip. You can go on over on Patreon, leave Q Points a tip. 
Exactly. Did we show you a little shoulder? You know what I'm saying? A little shoulder. <laughs> and you can leave us a tip over on Patreon. And last but certainly not least, you can buy see that see that shirt that DJ Sir Daniel has on? The toys, bikes, video games, fresh new kicks. Now, that was a special. That was a special for the holiday. That ain't up no more. But you can buy other stuff. So go on over to the store. It was limited. Go on over to the store, uh, uh, store store.qfoids.com, and you can buy some fresh new stuff over there. So, yeah, that's what they can do. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's give a shout out. You know, I love all of our Q Points Insiders, but this most recent Q Point ins- Insider has a special place in my heart. He's he's definitely a good friend. And I know a lot of times you hear on the internet about stop worrying about your friends supporting you and your endeavors online or your business or whatever. And that's true. But it feels extra special when somebody that you do know supports you. And I want to shout out Gil Shannon up in Chicago for becoming a the latest cue point insider. So be like Gil. Be fresh and fly and staying up on everything cue points related and become a cue points insider. Q, Gil is about to get down with that mix. If And that mix is specially done for tonight's episode of... Um, of uh, what that were of cue points where we're speaking regarding uh, '90s girl groups, and um, Trey and I want to shout out everybody in the chat tonight. We got Trey. Trey's been rocking his his um, tote bag, mm-hmm. and we I see Wani in the building. Big Mike is in the building. Mark McPherson. You know, all our people are with us tonight, and it makes me feel so good. And I know they're spreading the good word about cue points. So please welcome, and we're so glad that you're here safe and sound listening to cue points this evening so speaking of being in that number and still being here i'm happy to be here mm-hmm. but jay ray i'm especially happy to see you here mm-hmm. because it's been a it's been a weird week for you huh it has been a weird week so check it y'all listen to your body um is the 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 my message for the week so uh, what y'all don't know is after last week's show, I began to feel some weirdness in my chest, in the heart's area. And Sir Daniel, that is not a place where you want to feel things. You want to feel your heart beating, and that's it. Like, But right. I started to feel like a little bit of pain, right? And um, I went to the doctor uh, on Monday, and they did an EKG, and they saw something. Y'all, my, 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 I, listen, I was giving a, a, a Fred Sanford. I was so scared. Like I was going to go see Elizabeth. It was so frightening. So I was in the emergency. So I was sent from the urgent care to the emergency room. And good news is I'm fine. They done did all the blood work. They tested the ticker. They did all the things. And the doctor said the words. You are not having a heart attack. We don't know what happened. You know, could be stress, but it wasn't a heart attack. Your heart's fine. Blood work looks good. Your cholesterol's too high. Handle that. So I was scared. (laughs) Like, I was so scared. And so this week has really been, I've been since Monday, Sir Daniel, just trying to be more mindful about how I work 
about how I engage because what's most important for me is that um, I'm here. And the way that I can be here is by putting less pressure on myself. Um, And so I am learning to do that. And so that's my note for folks tonight is show yourself grace and listen to your body and go get yourself checked out if you feel anything. You know, you're absolutely right. Um, and if you know J. Ray, like I know J. Ray, you know, J. Ray is a workhorse. Mm-hmm. You know, J. Ray puts uh, 150% into everything that he does. And sometimes it's to the detriment of other things to be taken care of. But I like you, J. Ray. I also had uh, um, not a, a scare per se, but I I wasn't telling people this, but I was having these dizzy spells, you know, which I found very weird. And I recently had my had a checkup as well. And I told my doctor and, you know, got the same thing like you're fine. Nothing looks weird in the blood except Mm -hmm. your LDL, (laughs) your your bad cholesterol. So but that doesn't necessarily coincide with the dizziness but it's something that i have to keep monitoring and i'm like you at this age we cannot we can't take anything for granted and um i don't know if many of you are familiar with uh here in 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 the in atlanta a very prominent and well-respected gospel um gospel artist here in atlanta passed away at the very young age of 44. Talking about Kevin, Kevin Lemons. Mm-hmm. Kevin Lemons passed away of, a, of a, a heart attack, if I'm not mistaken, and was is much younger than us. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, whenever I hear things about that, things like that, peers passing away at such young ages, that always, you know, it, it's always a reminder like, hey, take care of ourselves, do what we need to do. Great set, show yourself some grace and space, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, uh, Jay Ray and I talk about this all the time, and I hope that you, listening and watching, that you also have a friend, a confidant that you talk to about these health matters. Mm-hmm. Because while we're sharing, you know, news about music and you know, Tony sharing uh, cue points with each other and say, "Hey, did you listen to the last episode?" You know, hey, by the way, have you been to the doctor recently? You know, have you had your checkup? Because Listen, we got to check in on each other, big time, now more than ever. So I'm glad to hear that you're doing well, Mm J-Ray, and um, that you are not out here showing your butt like certain (laughs) um, hip-hop legends who probably need to get checked checked up and checked in somewhere on their own. But, you know, we're going to talk about on However Comma and... Mm -hmm. We were unable to do however comma mm-hmm. this past week because of because J Ray was dealing with his health. Mm-hmm. So I know you're gonna show us some grace and space for that because health comes first. Mm-hmm. But oh boy, we got so much to catch up on on however comma. Uh R. Kelly is back in the news. Keith um Keith Murray is showing his behind all over the place. We've got so much to talk about. But I know J Ray tonight, you wanted to speak um specifically about a young man by the name of Tay-K, and you were schooling me on on this epic drama <laughs> right. going around with Tay-K. Please tell me about it. Let yeah. us everybody know about Tay-K. Yeah, so, okay, so one of the things that was so interesting 
um, is I got wind of a tweet thread from TK. So to give you all some backstory, because if you're listening to However Comma, you probably, I'm sorry, if you're listening to Q Points, ah, if you're listening to Q Points, you probably don't know who TK is. So let me give you a high level rundown. TK, uh, three, four years ago, TK was an up and coming 15, 16 year old rapper. Um, I didn't know anything about him at that time because one, he was doing drill. Two, he was doing, um, he was young. So I, I had nothing, you know, to do with TK. But anyway, he um, was convicted of committing a crime and was on house arrest. Decided that he was going to cut off his house arrest bracelet and go on the run. And so while on, he was, and so he was on a, a, a house arrest due to participating in some sort of robbery or something. But then he cut off the ankle bracelet, went on a race, and in, the, in that process, um, allegedly uh, uh, was part of, someone died. Not saying that he still got to go to trial for that. But this child made a song about it. And that's when he blew up. He made a song called The Race. You can watch the video. It's still on YouTube. And Tay-K is literally rapping about the crimes, the alleged crimes that he allegedly committed while on the run. And so they re-arrested, they arrested Tay-K. And Tay-K was convicted and is in jail. So anyway, that's the really short story of Tay-K. So tk has been in prison. He was uh, convicted and sentenced to 55 years for that robbery because someone died during that robbery. He actually got more time than the other people, right? Yikes. So he got 55 years. This is, this is a child, right? So he's going to be in his 60s when he, um, or right about 60 when he's able to be released. But anyway, on January 5th, he got took to the Twitter. I don't know how the people use Twitter in prison, um, but apparently that's a thing. <laughs> oh, so, they do it all in prison. Right. Go ahead. We'll talk about that. So he said um, in the Twitter, I really just need one chance at adulthood. I bet if I was a little white kid, they wouldn't give me no 55 years for a crime. I was alleged to play the most insignificant role in when I was 16. They would have rightfully argued that my mind wasn't fully developed and gave me rehabilitation and a second <laughs> chance at adulthood. He also said one of my co-defendants was a white girl who was 16, just like me. They didn't certify her as an adult, but they certified me and pimp. That's the other person who participated as adults. Pimp got 30. I got 55. She ended up getting 10 years of probation without no deal. That girl home right now. So I was reading this <laughs> and thinking, young man, young man, um, at no point in this entire experience, have I heard any repent, any feeling sorry, any anything to the respect of okay, yeah, listen, I did some, I did some messed up stuff, <laughs> right? And not only that, 
Um, why are we doing this on Twitter? Why are we doing why are we doing this on Twitter? Um, I need this young man to to work uh on himself and 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 figure this it, that was it was just a mess. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so and TK, well, not even defense, but TK was correct. Um, the fo- the frontal lobe mm-hmm. of human beings is not fully formed until well after the age of 25. So he's correct about that. Um, however, I do think he is somebody, he must have learned that reading the psychology books that they have there in prison. So he's like, oh, this sounds good. So let me go ahead and put it out there. And he's not completely wrong. Um, at the same time, I'm a, I'm gonna speak in that black mama voice. Now you know, you know what are we what are all black kids told? All black kids get the talk. Yep. You have to do you have to do twice as better to get half as much mm-hmm. as the other counterparts. You are gonna get more time than that young white girl. Absolutely, you're gonna Absolutely. get more time. Because, so I don't know. I don't know if this generation thinks that they're beyond that, but I think it still rings true. And I don't know, maybe somebody failed him and didn't give him the talk. I don't know. But as far as what you were saying, Jerry, about how is he tweeting from prison? We got prisoners that got whole TikTok uh, accounts. They've got Instagram accounts. They're creating content. They're creating content in prison. Oh, they're doing they're, like OnlyFans in prison. And, and making and making money off of it. So and it's all due to people um um risking their jobs and their lives and their freedom to smuggle all this stuff into prisons. Phones are getting smuggled into prison all the time. So people are just, people are creating whole albums behind from behind bars using these phones. So it's very possible it him tweeting is the bare the bare minimum of what they're doing behind prison. So, yeah, there's a lot going on behind prison, and maybe somebody will. I, that there was a thing that was a thing for a while where a lot of, especially young women that were working in these detention centers. Mm-hmm. Every time you turned around, especially here in Georgia, every time you turned around, there was a whole slew of them getting caught going um going to prison because they were smuggling contraband into the jails or they were also ending up pregnant. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So All there's right. that. So there's that. But if we, we will really go in on however comma about this kind of stuff. So yes. this is the kind of content you'll get on however comma. It does have a music slant, but we talk about all the other juicy stuff that's going on. Um, in our world right now and Twitter is definitely on fire my timeline, my timeline is in a strange loop right now. Okay. It's crazy. I will see like the same 10, 15 tweets over and over again. It's wild. I am happy Azalea Banks is back on Twitter, but I don't know. Something <laughs> is crazy going on about the Twitter um, algorithm right now. Yeah, I haven't been um, paying too much attention to um, Twitter this week. I'll probably get into my Twitter bag this weekend and see what's really going on. But one of the things, Sir Daniel, that you actually brought to my attention, and this is actually some really good music news, right? Yeah. So this year, hip hop turns 50. Um, and one of the things that has happened over the years is there hasn't been a lot of education to rappers about rapping. 
about the history because now we're so far along, right? Before we learned all of our hip hop history by one experiencing it or having these these stories being told. But now we're at the point where if folks want to learn it, they got to go to school. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They got to they got to get some school. So um you actually brought to my attention the fact that Lupe Fiasco is going to be teaching. So Lupe Fiasco is going to be teaching rap. Um but he's part of MIT's MLK visiting professor program. Um, and he was announced as part of their 2022 to 2023 appointments. So he is in the um, arts and humanities area. He's listed on the website and everything. And this is super dope. So he's actually going to be in the classroom teaching these folks that that take his class about rapping and, and hip hop history. And that was super dope to hear. I, I love it. I love it. Um, there have been uh, sprinkled about, there have been a few other people that have taught courses on mm -hmm. hip hop. Hip hop has ended up, remember there was a course on Little Kim mm -hmm. and one woman's, um, she, a professor had a course on Little Kim. So it makes total sense. We've been around for 50 years now. We've got a whole of a big museum about to be opened up with all kinds of artifacts and paraphernalia. And now it just makes sense that people are, are going to be able to have a full syllabus and, and learn history about the, the culture. A lot of people borrow from the culture because it looks shiny and it looks it's, it's cute and it's fun, mm -hmm. but they don't know context. And so a lot of times that breeze, if you don't know context and you burn from the culture, that breeds a lot of a lot of um and not envy but it breathes a lot of bad blood it mm -hmm. breathes a lot of you know um horrific thing bad relations in the communities that are borrowing from things and i just think it's a it's about time and i'm glad that lupe is a part of it there are certain people that can be trusted with the culture mm -hmm. and i think he he can probably prove himself as one of those people yeah. And in addition to him, um, Billboard. So actually, you can read about both of these. If you join the newsletter, we'll make sure that those links are in there for you. But um, Mickey Fax as well. So Mickey Fax has launched a school. Um, it's called Pendum Inc., which I thought was really fun. So Pen, Dumb, and then right. Inc. And then... Um, so it looks like the courses that'll be available for this school, which is really dope, is going to be, um, there'll be one, teaching rap, you know, rap techniques, stuff like that. But some of the classes are, um, it's six courses, um, rap theory, advanced mm. rap techniques, which I think is really dope. Like, I would love to see what that is. Rhymecology, which sounds super dope. Um, Mickey money class. So I guess Mickey's going to be teaching about money in the, in the game. Battle rap is a course and Love then it. a content creation class. That so $2,000, you get all of that. That's perfect. Uh, and I love it. So this got me to thinking real quick, J Ray. Okay. On your, on your way to matriculate through whatever university and you're getting your degree in hip hop or whatever, 
who would you want your academic advisor to be? Ooh. Mine, I'll tell you mine off the rip. Mine Ooh. is KRS-One. KRS-One is my academic advisor. Who would you want to be your academic advisor? Ooh, so I think I want Queen Latifah to be my academic advisor. She... You know what I'm saying? She would give me a little bit of that business. And she would know she could she lean in a little bit, be like, I don't think that's for you. I think you need to move <laughs> over here and get up into this film. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can see. Yeah, her. yeah, yeah. Like, I would definitely want see? Queen Latifah. <laughs> and can't you see them critiquing our freestyles? Like, yeah, so um, I heard your freestyle in class today, and um, you know that shit was whack, right? <laughs> Yeah, I expected more out of you. I expected more out of you. And um, I think you need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> I don't see improvement in my class. You will be on academic suspension. Can you imagine? It would be like, they would be critiquing our wordplay and critiquing mm -hmm. our metaphors and all types of stuff. <laughs> Just bad. Rule number one, no biting. No <laughs> biting. Rule number two, and of course, you're going to have to talk about um, contracts, mm -hmm. and especially if you're in a group and study all the great groups over history. But tonight, we are studying great girl groups. And, you know, we've talked about girl groups. Last year, we spoke about girl groups and how there weren't any. Yep. But now we've got, we've got Flo, we've got the Black Bettys. We've got, you know, we've got, we're seeing a little in, increase in some, in some black girl groups coming back. You know, we got to give a shout out to the greatest of all times, Destiny's Child, mm -hmm. TLC, yep. the Supremes, you know, but there's something special about the girl groups of the 90s. There's just mm -hmm. a, we're talking about, it, I already saw a theme. There's a theme of sexual liberation. Mm -hmm cheating and infidelity and what else were we singing about um and love i mean just relationships in general yes and i i really think that those types of things made for classic classic records from the girl groups of the 90s but tonight we're speaking about um some specific girl groups that were right there right there on the precipice of of blowing up. They're all over Video Soul. They're all over MTV. You know, we know their songs. They're bumping all over the radio. But they just... It didn't, it didn't just, happen. It didn't, it, it didn't go pop like it should have, you know? And so... <sighs> hmm. Tonight we're talking about... You want to run the, the whole list or we want to take them one by one? Um, let's Let's go ahead and run... Let's do them one by one. And let y'all okay. weigh in on these. Um, but this is exciting. So, I, okay. So one of the other interesting things, Sir Daniel, as we get into this, the 90s were unique in that we still had duos. Like, mm. there were several duos. Um, and y'all might be like, uh, one duo that we're not talking about is John A. And we're not talking about John A because... They they made it right. They kind they 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 surpassed um, a certain threshold, and we have some other stuff around John A that we need to talk about. So mm -hmm. they are coming. We have not forgotten John A. But 
you know, we had these duos. We had, so it's duos and trios tonight. And um, so I'm excited. So the first one is an interesting case. So changing faces. Mm. Cassandra Lucas and Sharice Rose changing faces out of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember changing faces out the gate. Like they they had a very they had a very unique poise to their performances. Very, it was a, a very um, stripped down look, one mm-hmm. piece, flowing ga- long gown, form fitting, mm-hmm. and then you know the very they're very chanteuse like, and they're singing softly. You're fooling around, <laughs> fooling <laughs> around. And those songs just automatically just took off, like fooling mm-hmm. around, get up, get O U T out, and yeah. stroke you up. Stroke you. That up. was their Listen. first single out the gate. You know, was that okay? Yes, you're right. Stroke you up was first, and yep. and then uh, fooling around came next. Fooling around. Then uh, they made lots of various appearances and rap videos. Yep. One, I think one of the most important videos was Biggie's One More Chance video. Mm-hmm. video. Because if you were anybody in hip-hop and R&B at that time, you were in that video. Yep. And Changing Faces was in that video. A lot of the girl groups were in that video. Yeah. So, you know, they were kind of an interesting case. So they, of course, they sang... Okay, so they got their start, apparently. They sang background for Sybil. So mm. that was how they met and how they formed. So they formed organically. Um, and they were singing background for Sybil. They at that Wait, which time Sybil. Sybil, uh Sybil, uh um don't make me over Sybil. So okay, okay. Yep. Oh, not not uh Sable, not Sable. Sybil. <laughs> you think about you think about sweet Sable. So while she was Sable and Sybil, yeah. <laughs> yep. So you're right. Um and so for better or for worse, <laughs> their career is forever tied to R. Kelly. R. Kelly yeah. wrote their biggest hits. And he's singing on them too. He's singing on them too. And I mean, I still hear changing faces on RB radio. They're staples of RB radio, but you forget <laughs> like it's so it's so funny i went back and we were doing research for all of these groups and like so many of these groups have like some sort of connection they either toured with or did something with r kelly because this was kind of his time um and changing faces was one of them but i think this one's hard i don't know could changing faces have why didn't they go? I think it was just the changing. From my perspective, it was just the changing of music. Like R and B changed so much that hip hop mm-hmm. was the big thing. I don't know that there was room. There wasn't a room for a group like Changing Faces. I can't see where they would have fit in the two thousands. I so I think along the along those lines, there was that. They had great records. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they sold a lot of records. They, they went on tours. I think we were getting into that, like to your point, we were getting into that the hip hop era, but we were also getting into like tabloid hip hop era. 
Mm-hmm. And f- not for nothing, aside from years later, um, the R. Kelly controversy, we never heard anything else about changing faces mm-hmm. outside of the music. Yep. And so a lot of our, a lot of the people that are superstars, not only do they have the, um, the discography and the catalog to support their careers, but they also got a little bit of drama too. Yeah. And have some type of urban legend, urban, you know, behind them. Mm-hmm. You know, we know we love TLC because of the not only were they had the music, but you got left eye burning down houses. You got them, <laughs> you got them, you got them bankrupting. Right. You know, selling selling being the top selling female group of all time and, and then being completely broke. We got the Supremes. You know all of their um, lineup changes and mm-hmm. Diana Ross being singled out. There's drama. At Destiny's Child, come on, that, right. I don't even need to speak <laughs> on that. So, changing faces. If you, I don't know if you. I hate to say it this way, but if you like put them in a lineup, would you be able to select them out of a lineup of a bunch of girl groups from the '90s? And that's and that's no shade to them or their music. And they had great songs, but yeah, I think that might have been part of it. And it's so funny what you were speaking of earlier about playing their music. Now, remember, I told you I was. I asked. I said, "Do you think I could get away with a uh, Changing Faces record at um, at my Rocksteady gig?" And he was like, "What you mean?" And Jay Ray was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "R. Kelly is all over <laughs> all the song, songs. singing the hook." And he was like, "And Jay Ray was like, yeah, you're right.'" But I did find one record <laughs> that was that was not produced by R. Kelly, that doesn't have any singing by R. Kelly on it. Matter of fact, it's um, Keep It Right There. That was produced by Devontae Swing of Jodeci. And, you know, that's something. But, yeah, aside from them being completely tied to R. Kelly, Changing Faces, is kind of they kind of squeaked by. They did. Without any controversy. So, yeah, interesting, interesting group. They didn't quite, even though, to your point, they had, I went, when I looked at their numbers, even their last mm-hmm. album in 2000 hit number nine on the R&B charts. It didn't, yeah. it didn't, it didn't, uh, what was it, certified, but it landed pretty high. Like, people were really into changing faces, but I think you make a really good point. Putting them in a lineup would have been hard. Now... This next duo started as a trio. And I think, Sir Daniel, we have to show love to the the girls' album was hot. Let me do this real quick. Because it's right here. So the we're talking about the girls, the G-Y-R-L-Z, these girls. And I've spoken about them before. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got they've got a very long-standing history in music. Mm-hmm. They are part of the Uptown MCA legacy. Yep. Although they were never on MCA, they're on Capitol Records. Right. But they were part of the Uptown legacy because they started out as writers and background singers for I'll Be Sure. Yep. So in I'll Be Sure's um, classic videos, you will see the Terry Monica and 
uh, Tara yep. singing singing background and doing this number right here behind. Yeah. I'll be sure that's them. So they this came out in 89. Is that 89? 88, okay. 89. Yeah. And um the album came out 88, 89. And they had like marginal hits as yeah. a trio. And I love the album, you know, because that was my time period. I love them and I love the album. But um they, like I said, continued writing in the industry. Monica Payne is an industry insider to this day. Absolutely. And at one at one point dated too short, which I found very <laughs> <That's> hilarious, <laughs> very fascinating. Um, but they were also writers, like I said, and um wrote a lot of hits for like Father MC, uh, anybody you can think of, they wrote a lot of hits for Soul for Real, yep. all of that stuff. But um Terry and Monica, who are Terry and that's Monica. Terry on the end yep. and Monica Payne mm-hmm. formed a duo, Terry, Terry and Monica. And Monica. <laughs> Um, in the the mid nineties, like ninety three, yep. ninety four. Yep. And not for nothing, dope ass music. Dope music, like Terry and Monica. Um, there was a mystique <clears throat> around them because they were so legendary in kind of the uptown camp. Like you were familiar. For those of us that were familiar with the girls, go play that girls record today. Love Me or Leave Me Alone is a dope record. Like, it's New Jack Swing history. So the same producer for Albie Shore's debut produced that record, too. Kyle West. Kyle West. <clears throat> Banger. Go go play it. So, but anyway, they rebranded as Terry and Monica. Tara was still part of the mix. Like, she was still doing backgrounds and stuff like that. But... Um, in fact, she co-wrote with them, really, Terry and Monica is really the girls, but they rebranded for whatever reason to Terry and Monica. Because I'm looking at the writing credits, Tara co-wrote every song with them, right? Yeah. But there was a mystique around them. And so I remember when the video for Uh-Huh came out, so they signed to Epic Records, Horace Brown, um... Uh, was part of Horace Brown was on the record. Just had a bunch of folks on the record, but the the uh, the video for Uh Huh, black and white, this hard funk groove under it. It was doing everything that you a '93 song. It was you bob your head and you was kind of doing that, and everybody was in the record in the video. So you had like a Flex Alexander, all the cool kids were in the mm-hmm. video. <laughs> Groove theory, all, yep. all the cool kids, like you said. Yep. So there was this. So this is what J Ray's talking about. This yep. look right here. Mm-hmm. So they completely rebranded. And the Kangos made a return in '94. Remember that? Yep. And they had to be turned to the back. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the sisters were wearing these um, two these floor length tube dresses mm-hmm. and were rocking Pumas with it. So that was very much you know a rebrand for them. It was hip hop but it was still very boho chic and, you know, I, they did a, a really good job of rebranding themselves. Yep. And like Jay Ray said, the song for those of us that knew them were like, we, we were rocking with that stuff, mm-hmm. but it just didn't mm, take it to that next level. But I think it goes back to that. I think we'll probably find a thread through all of these groups. I think, um, 
You need the perfect storm of things to happen to make something pop. There wasn't a huge controversy. There was enough. There was nothing controversial about Terry and Monica. You know what I'm saying? They were two black women who were singing and writing good songs with super solid production behind them. So I'm looking at the production on this record really quick. So Bryce from uh, Groove Theory, of course. Bryce is also behind me right there because Bryce was part of Mantronics. Um, He joined Mantronics. So that was... In fact, this is not long before he would have produced this. This is like 88 right here. Mm -hmm. So... You got Bryce on the joint. Like I said, you got Horace Brown on the joint. You got, so you have these people that are percolating. I just think it was one of those situations again where you need the right machine, you need the right kind of buzz to kind of cross over. Because at that time, it was about crossing over. It definitely. And, and I also think there was this loyalty to sounding underground and staying underground that was there was a because this this was kind of like in the backpacker era of hip-hop right and so like you said all the production if you listen to it it could easily be thrown into a set of like backpacker music it had the the boom bap movement of hip-hop and it had those boom bap beats and so there was this like let's stay uh, true to that sound, and you're right, that didn't have like a universal sound. Whereas, you know, at the time, like a Brandy mm-hmm. was, was blowing up and crossing over. And because she had more of a girly appeal, they weren't girly girls. They weren't, when I say girls, they weren't like young girls. They yeah. were, they were grown. Yeah. They were grown, so they couldn't play into that that um that demographic that say a a brandy and a monica and a tlc could play to so they had to lean on other strengths and that's probably why it didn't take them i don't know yeah we listen we these are these are this is not nothing um scientific there's no scientific Mm-mm. research to this this is we're really pontificating as fans as people that grew up listening to this music and seeing it in real time and just thinking, you know, like, what was it? I know y'all thought it was dope just the same way we thought it was dope, but you don't know why the, they didn't take it further. Mm-hmm. And now this next group, though, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, might be the most successful um, in this bunch. Yeah. For the simple fact, if your music is being sampled mm-hmm. today, then you're pretty much and you you wrote on the album on the record you pretty much got it going on yeah and brownstone were those girls we've got the the, the nikki gilbert mass choir <laughs> um charmaine maxwell rest in peace to charmaine monica mimi doby they were the the original members of brownstone but of course along the line you had kina join brownstone as well but Brownstone out the gate. First of all, they were signed to MJJ Epic. Yep. So you know there was the they business. They got the machine it was like if, of Michael Jackson behind them. If Michael Jackson is co-signing this, then it was like, oh, oh, then they must be the real deal. And then on top of that, they can really sing. Yep. I mean, even on the album cover, J Ray and I were laughing about this <laughs> before we came on. On the album cover, they're literally their heads are thrown back and you don't see anything but teeth. Yeah. They're like, 
you could tell that they were singing screaming bloody murder on every single track what show what award show was that that they were on and they were like hollering to the people they came in- out <laughs> scream it was either soul train it was probably the soul train awards <laughs> but they literally started with it was for grapevine and they were standing in that three pack singing to the gods out the gate <laughs> And you know, Grapevine starts up there. Grapevine is a very, is a high octave song already. It's up there. And they are literally singing for the people in the nosebleed seats. But they came from that school. Mm-hmm. It's like they came from that school of you had to, people that they were unable to be front row, they needed to be feel like they were still a part of the show. So they came from that school where you had to sing for Bloody Murder back then. So. You know, and I think the other interesting thing about this, about them, especially if you look at their their uh, first two hits, um, Dave Jam Hall was uh, kind of an engine as well beyond, be, behind that, right? So you have If You Love Me, which was out the gate crazy. You have mm-hmm. um, Grapevine, once again, out the gate crazy. Um and that's really all you had. Oh, I can't tell you why. They remade I Can't Tell You Why. I forgot about that. That remake That doesn't give mm-hmm. That remake does not get the the love that it should. And that if anybody touched an Eagles song, yep. they touched it and they made it their own. We don't talk yeah. enough about how they made I Can't Tell You Why their own song. And that song is beautiful. It's it's R&B, but sung by the Eagles. So they were able to, mm, I, I can't go on more about that song, but it was just really dope. But you were saying, J-Ray, I'm yeah, sorry. No, no, you're good. Um, you know, they did get a second album on MJJ, um, not mm-hmm. as well-received as their first record. But that first single, Five Miles to Empty, and Mark just jumped in the chat, that is my mm-hmm. favorite Brownstone song. So by that time, Kena Cosper had joined, and let me tell you something about Miss Kena. Kena's solo record, go if you can find it, get it. Okay, girl from the gutter goes from go here. Get it. <laughs> Sidebar: There's like a drum and bass version of Girl from the Gutter that I can't find anywhere. When I tell you that thing goes so hard and she fit right in she's another one that can unhinge her jaw yeah and <laughs> just pull her head back and just scream i mean a voice out of nowhere just comes all the way up it's just a lot of a very controlled but very impactful singing absolutely and mark said it best he was like their voices are still reverberating from that performance of great five to this day it's true and so the follow the kind of answer to grapevine was five miles to empty where it was very similar kind of sound uh the the nikki gilbert mass choir (laughs) for all its its Mm -hmm. purposes and and Mm -hmm. i mean i think the the reason why they didn't go further i think two things i mean definitely line up there were some things changes there's some things going on behind the scenes. <laughs> some throat issues for some members, you know. Throat issues, yes. Mm-hmm. Challenges that I think made it difficult for them to continue. They probably could have gone way further had some of the, the other drama stuff not happened. 
potentially. And I'm wondering if they also fell victim to the um, to the policing of bodies at that time. Mm. You know, they're all they're black girls. Uh, Nikki Gilbert, all of them are yeah. ranging different sizes. And if you notice on the album covers, so yeah, Nikki starts off one size, but if by the time we got to that second and third album, they were doing things to like camouflage mm-hmm. their bodies. So there's that. Who knows? There's a, a, a plethora of stuff that was happening. Um, I know they continue to write. That's always yeah. a plus. Mm-hmm. Continuing, you know, especially if you're a writer and you go on to do that. And But we didn't hear any mess. And, you know what? Okay, so here's the common thread. There, the early 90s was that time where, where PR, A&R kept a tight rein on mm-hmm. their artists. So you didn't hear any mess unless you were like, a huge, uh, a huge A-list celebrity. So, like everybody kept a tight rein, probably on those camps of singers and mostly singers, and kept a tight rein on them. So that's why you didn't hear a lot of mess, mm-hmm. or you didn't hear about them about people's personalities clashing and people being hard and difficult to work with until uh, fifteen years later when they join a reality TV yeah. show and you find out that they're. Burzak, you know, <laughs> then you find, oh, you're crazy. That's probably why that the group didn't last long. Oh, you're, you, you, you're, you know, your screws ain't tight. Okay, I see, I see why maybe the group didn't line up. I'm not saying that's what happened, but right. now yes. in the reality TV era, we get to see, you know, R and B divas. We get to see an encore where all these group members get to be on TV, and now we get to see their real personalities. Whereas back then. Nope. Everything was control. Publicists had control over yes. everything. That image, everything. You know, and uh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, now, this next group, they hold a special place in my heart, my little heart. This is probably our, this might be, no, we got the, one of two of our least well-known groups, I think. Um, I think so. But nothing nice was hot to me. Like nothing nice, <laughs> nothing nice came of age. They're out of Sacramento, California. They um, formed organically. Apparently, they were a five-piece band called Attitude. That when members left, they kind of pared down to a trio, and then they called themselves Nothing Nice. But the Nothing Nice sound was born out of TLC was born out of escape. Like, their look was so escape at the very beginning. Like, you could see where the sound influences from the producers, even though they were on the West Coast, they were clearly pulling influences from the East Coast and from Atlanta. Sure. Um, yes, Trey. Trey done said what Froggy style went. <laughs> Froggy. My absolute favorite song. It was it was maybe about the second single in mm-hmm. that really I think put them on the map because by that time they put them in the matching um uh it was like uh, tight. jockey yeah tight the jockey the jockey costumes with the tights and the and the boots and I think they were influenced a lot by the whole Adina Howard freak by that time freak like me was yep. an anthem. 
and yet again, you know, this we're in this whole sexual liberation of the '90s for these um, R&B girl groups, and they didn't have any problem singing "I'm Down for Whatever," mm-hmm. and then going into a Froggy style. Yeah. And Froggy style had the Atomic Dog Atomic Dog sample, yep. so it was going to go hard anyway. Yeah. So you're absolutely right, but they still didn't manage to. They didn't manage, and mm. and 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 they have a very interesting trajectory, right? So. Down for whatever. I don't even remember the first release of the album. Apparently, down for whatever. I remember the second version. So the '95 yeah. one. Although mm-hmm. I knew the group because in my nature was my joint. So I was telling Sir Daniel before we got on, I was doing research. You know, get ready for the show, and I hadn't heard in my nature in so long, and so I played it. And I immediately started singing. Sit back, think about what to do. Boy, I think about calling you. Ooh, it's in my nature. I was like, that was my shit. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing how those lyrics are locked back there and it's like, it just takes a beat and you're like, oh, I remember that. And you start singing along. Start singing it. So that was 93, right? So you Mm -hmm. get 93. In My Nature, 94, they dropped down for whatever. And then they re-released the record in 95. So now we get all the things. We get Froggy Style. We get, um, oh, what's the joint that I loved? Um, uh, Oh, shoot. It's on that record. Um, Oh, it's going to come to me. But there was another joint on that record with Froggy Style that I go up for. And I need to find it. So while you're doing that, mm-hmm. I just had an epiphany. Yes. Nothing Nice was on Jive Records. Yes, they were. Who else was on Jive RCA at the time? It was a singing trio out of the Bronx. Who else was on there? The ran of the 90s. S S double double. Oh, they were. Wait a minute. No, they were on RCA, weren't they? That's a. Jive oh, that RCA. was a subsidiary. It was Jive RCA. So oh. there's, you know, that there could have been some kind of, I don't know, maybe some type of favoritism. That maybe there wasn't a push mm-hmm. as much as the other groups got. But I mean, we've got two girl groups singing you know about the same kind of subject matters um but they similar styles black girls they're you know they're really vying for everybody's attention and everybody's money and everybody's spins yes so i don't know and by that so swv came out in 91 92 yep and here we have nothing nice coming out in the shadow of SWV. And maybe Jive thought, okay, well, we can probably do the same thing with them as we did with SWV. And it just maybe didn't didn't pop. Yeah. The same way. I think that I think that could absolutely be true. Cause you know, we only got the one record from them, by the way. And the joint is you ain't got a lot of kick it. That's my joint. You ain't got a you lot of kick it. <laughs> Um, that's so West Coast. That's so West Coast. So that's also interesting. I think by the time that the re-release happens, we get to your point. We get um, kind of the rebrand to like the West Coast 
look mm-hmm. and sound. And yeah, it could be just simply one of those things where it just didn't happen. Like, cause you figure from 93 to 96, they went through a lot of style evolution and trying things to see what sticks. And none of it ever really became this huge thing. They hit their, 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 um, they topped out at number four, number 34 on the R&B charts. Um, Mm. so it's like, I don't know, you know? Yeah. It's, it's one of those songs. It's one of those groups that if you know, you know, right. You know, like if you knew, if you were, video soul junkies like we were coming mm-hmm. up then you absolutely know who nothing nice is was yep but to the to the to the masses they just did not get that kind of love so and then we move on to another so here's a kind so i i have to admit when this next group came out i didn't automatically shine towards them mm-hmm. because I was a, a a Terry Monica and Tara fan. Yeah. Down. There was the girls. Right. But then Motown presents the good girls. Yes. And I mean, they the the marketing, you already knew what kind of what it was with them. They were marketed as the good girls. They wore like Catholic schoolgirl uniforms. Yep. Uh, you know, the skirts were super high, but it was still, you know, <laughs> there was still kind of goody two shoes about it. And I just really think that they went for that. They went hard for that light skin, long hair look. They did. I jokingly said that all of their promos and their videos look like they were um, some AKA probates. <laughs> uh, you know, if you look back on their pictures, they it, it's giving green and, and pink all day long <laughs> and pearls. But um, yeah, but the good girls, for all intents and purposes, they they made their mark. You know, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, love is like an itching in my heart. They, yep. if it, it makes sense, they're on Motown. Why not use a legacy song from the Motown archives to kind of you launch your career? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Good Girls are an interesting case. Everything that you said is absolutely right. They, um, I remember the two. This was an interesting time too, because you would find this a lot with records. The two singles were the songs that I remembered the most from that first album. So your sweetness, which is mm-hmm. a bop, um, was their first song. Um, and then love is like an itching in my heart was the second joint. But I really took to them for their second album. So I think the second single from the second album was it must be love. One of my favorite songs of the 90s. Fantastic song. Queen Latifah sampled it on her Black Rain album. Absolutely. Just a really dope song. And there was another joint from that record, so the Just Call Me album, which came out in 92, that I really was into, called um, Since I Fell For You. If y'all can find that joint, that joint is hot um, from the Good Girls. But so what's interesting about them, too, is... uh, their producer for their big their their big singles, so Your Sweetness, Love is Like an Itching in My Heart, I think he did It Must Be Love too, was this brother by the name of L.A.J. And um, L.A.J. Uh, was kind of a very prolific 
producer at that time. So he was doing a lot of the Motown stuff then. So he did M- mm-hmm. uh, MC Troubles, um, I'm Gonna Make um, You Mine, which featured the good I Wanna girls. Make You Mine, yep. Um, and was doing some other stuff in, in kind of that vein. But um, he's also done a lot of, he also did some work with The Far Side on their first album and actually spent some time with them on tour. So, you know, I think it, there was another, they got two records, I mean, 92 was kind of their last album. Um, when you listen to Just Call Me, because I did kind of skim through it, it sounds very 92, <laughs> right? Yeah. It sounds very of its time. And we also, by the time Just Call Me came out, we were post-TLC at that point. You know what I'm saying? Was, yeah. Was Everything right. was changing. You know what I'm saying? And, and their style of um, sweet... R&B singing was not what people were going for. It was either your in vogue or your TLC. <laughs> and let's face it, their their voices weren't the most powerful. Yep. They didn't they didn't really knock you over the head vocally. Mm-hmm. So, if you weren't shocking us with your looks and um, a whole new a whole different style or you weren't shocking us with the vocals, then you kind of got like J. Ray said, lost in the sauce. So they had a good run. You they know, did. shout out to Demonica Santiago, Joyce Tol- Tolbert, and Shereen Crutchfield, the mm-hmm. good girls. Shout out to them. Now, the um, on the uh, way on the other side of the spectrum, the color spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was a very, very interesting time, was Black Girl. Yep. And Black Girl got my attention off the back. There were three dark-skinned sisters, mm-hmm. and they didn't have the long, flowy. They didn't have the forty inches down to the butt. Nope. They went for a a classical style with the um with the 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 uh, finger waves, the Josephine mm-hmm. Baker finger waves, and then they. I think I can't even remember what the very first song was that they came out with. Crazy was their first song. Crazy, yep. and it was a very new, new jack swing. Very much. But so. then I, but then they made the anthemic um, '90s song girl. too. '90s girl was the one. So I didn't, I didn't. Re- so I had to really kind of dig. Of all of these groups, well, the Good Girls and Black Girl, um, I think were the hardest to find stuff on. But here's what we knew. I don't know if you knew this, Sir Daniel. Black girls Atlanta based. So, I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're Atlanta based, uh, apparently organically formed because they were actually trying to kind of reform in 2017. But so in the wake, I'm 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 assuming in the wake of LaFace, mm-hmm. these two white men started a label that was Atlanta based called Casper Records. Okay. And um they had a bunch of groups. It was, if you look at the groups, like... Caper. 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 Yeah, Caper. I said Caper. I said Casper. Mm-hmm. My bad. So Caper Records. Thank you. So they started Caper Records, and one of the groups that was signed was Black Girl. And, you know, I think this label was basically trying to check all the Black, the R&B boxes of the, of the time. Mm-hmm. So they had, like, a kid group. They had, like, a girl group. They had, like, a rap group. You know what I'm saying? And all of these things. But 
Black Girl, 90s Girl was a, even though it came out in like 94. So we're like four, we're like four <laughs> years in at that point. But mm-hmm. it hit a mark. It was a dope jam and it was anthemic for Black yeah. women. Absolutely. And I can't help but notice, I'm looking at this, at this, at the 12 inch, they're on the RCA imprint as Again. well. Yep. Again, so I don't know all the girls, like all, all you girls that were on RCA at the time, you had SWV to contend with, and SWV was not budging. <laughs> they were at the top of spot. the charts. <laughs> I mean, up until about nine. 99 right yeah so if you were on that label swv was probably the priority so oh sir you want a subsidiary i think i may have cracked the code it's the rca code for a lot of these girls if you were on a rca subsidiary uh, imprint you may not have gotten the print the push that you were hoping for because swv was running things at the time you actually may have also answered it's a theory you may have also answered the brownstone thing because you know they were under Sony and did that MJJ was kind of in there. Destiny's Child was Mariah Carey. You have these, you have these staple groups. Do you see the connections though? So SWV got a sample cleared by Michael Jackson himself for human nature. <laughs> So there's a, there's a there's some overlapping here. I, I, we should probably be playing the X Files theme music right. in the background. There's there's some things going on back here, and you know, and Nikki Gilbert was probably writing for um other people at the time. Stuff yes. was happening. Stuff was happening. Stuff was happening. <laughs> but so, yeah, yeah, Black Girl, uh, '90s Girl was certainly a thing. So they actually, so they had. Uh, four singles. I don't know. I gotta go back and listen to "Let's Do It Again." I don't know that I know that song. Crazy, I know. Um, but they charted on the R and B charts with all of their singles. That's actually an accomplishment. So, "Crazy" hit number thirty-seven. Ninety nineties girl hit number thirteen. "Where Did We Go Wrong" hit number thirty-nine, and "Let's Do It Again" hit number twenty-five. Um, they went gold with their record, so their record was not a flop. But we mm-hmm. only got. The one album, Treat You Right, they were actually nominated for a Billboard. They were nominated for three Billboard Music Awards. Um, Artist of the Year, R&B Artist of the Year. 90s Girl was nominated for two awards. And they were nominated for two Soul Train Awards. And they won a Vibe Magazine Award for Best Look. So they weren't a fluke. So, I, But I think... I think you you answered it right there. You had so much support. You had Vibe Magazine, mm-hmm. whose whose main purpose was pushing Black culture, yep. especially if you especially Black women. When you had Danielle Smith at the mm-hmm. helm, right? You had Soul Train, which was still in circulation and still um, in um, syndication on television. You had Video Soul. You had all these different outlets. And you have black radio yep. that was still pushing artists like a black girl. So yes, they were able to chart. They were able to um, sell gold records because they had all these platforms that eventually one by one kind of phased out. You know, you had like a, I don't know if, if you guys in your um, prospective cities, if you had an event called for sisters only, 
in Atlanta, they had an event called For Sisters Only. I'm sure they had it in D.C. because I think it started in D.C. But when you have events like that, you have people like Black Girl. You had your Tanya Blunts. You have people who we knew of in the 90s and who had hits on the radio, but they had those platforms to perform at and all, and all the major Black cities in the country. So, yes, I, and I think that might be the difference now is that those things phased out, yep. those platforms phased out. So, therefore, we no longer have anybody, like, pushing um, the nostalgia behind these particular artists anymore, unless you got sampled and mm-hmm. you're sampled by a rap artist and it goes crazy or... <laughs> you're linked to a you know a, an alleged pedophile and a convicted pedophile right or and you, unless you're you, you have those things going for you you have some t- type of notoriety like that then the, you know you're not going to have that kind of juice behind you like you did back in the 90s hmm. um one We're more group. one more y'all know who the one more is jade was a thing Jade was, they had y'all stomping like y'all were in fraternities. The whole, the whole hoochie, the whole um, cutoff shorts with the combat boots. That was a thing. That Mm -hmm. became a thing. You know, Don't Walk Away is an eternal summer jam. There's no getting, that song screams summer jam. You know, it's summertime, springtime when that comes out, when that people play that. Absolutely. So Jade to me had so much potential. Like, I feel like they, okay, so they're the one group on this list that was put together. So they were an assembled group. Um, They had, uh, so their first album, Jade to the Max, um, their first single, I Want to Love You, was part of the Class Act soundtrack. That's how we first kind of got to know them. Um, That was their first single, Out the Gate. But it was that second single. It was Don't Walk Away that literally lit lit everything up. It had everything you wanted. It had the perfect loop. It had that hard, um, that hard kick drum. It was so dope that that's the foundation that Q-Tip used for a war tour. So he was like, it was Jade's Don't Walk Away that inspired the way he built the beat for a war tour. He wanted it to sound, to have the same rumble that Don't Walk Away had. And so if you listen to a war tour, it will remind you of Don't Walk Away. But, and then they did One Woman, Looking for Mr. Do-Right. They did, Mm -hmm. and I forgot about this until I researched this. They did the BET Unplugged thing. I can't remember what it was called. They sure did, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And they released it. BET's Listening Party is what it was called. And I think they may have been one of maybe two groups that did that. There wasn't a lot of them. But so they sang live because, you know, back then we were still fresh out of Millie Vanilli. People had to prove they could sing. (laughs) Yep. 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 And they did that. And there was... It, things kind of died down for a bit, but then we get mind, body, and song. You know, five, four, three, two, yo, time is up. Oh, time is up. <laughs> um, 
which was an interesting first single. I actually think their second single would have been the better first single. Every day of the week, I think, would have been the better out the gate song. And that was a bop. That was a bop. Yeah, because yeah, that actually kind of saved that record. I like 5432, Yo, Time Is Up. <laughs> I thought that was dope. Um, Mark Morales did that joint. Shout out to, to you know, Mark Morales. Um, wow, we lost him in 2021. Wow. Prince Marky D. Prince Marky D. Um, mm-hmm. And so he did that joint, but it was every day of the week from that album that popped off. Um, and there were other joints. I still had that. I still have Mind, Body, and Soul. There was like, this is a solid album. It's, you can listen to it today and you it's enjoyable. But I think the thing for this group was they didn't get along. <laughs> they, they, they didn't get along. They were assembled. Yeah, you schooled me on this. I was like, oh, oh, so that's what was going on back there. Yeah, there's a lot of stories. Um, but th- yeah, so even coming out of the first record, I think that's when the first cracks started to appear for them. Um, and, you know, they made it. God bless them. They made it to a second album. And, you know, had this record done what the label wanted it to do, we probably would have got more Jade albums. You know what I'm saying? Out of it. But, you know, I don't... And the other thing that I believe happened here from what I've read um, is they also weren't getting paid. You know? I think that's a common theme. Exactly. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They weren't getting paid. They're like, when am I going to get a check? And they like, you got to recruit all of this... You gotta recoup all of this hair and all of these outfits. Hair and makeup. <laughs> but I will say this for Jade. Out of all the groups that we listed tonight, I think if you Jade would probably, if you put them on stage right now, they would probably have the longer set list. Because I think catalog-wise, they had the they would probably have the longer set list. Brownstone, Brownstone is a close yeah. second. Mm-hmm. I think they might be neck and neck, actually. Uh, like, if you put them on, like, an old-school tour, they could definitely be, like, that really strong middle act that keeps the, that keeps the show flowing. So, shout-out to Jade, you know, mm-hmm. and everything that they were... Now, you know what else I just, I just thought about while we were discussing this? Another commonality is all of these ladies participated in the Panther soundtrack. Um, uh, Freedom. Freedom. Freedom soundtrack. They, they all per- participated in that soundtrack in the R&B version of wow. Freedom. Freedom was written by Miss Joy Gillum. We got to do a Joy show. She Shout is out a to Joy Gillum. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Joy is still out here doing things and making a, and making a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm here for it. So one of the things we are going to do um, as we wrap our show is Sir Daniel and I wanted to share with y'all our favorite girl groups of all time. So we invite you to list yours as well in the chat. Um, I have three and Sir Daniel has three. Um, Who want to go? You want to go first, Sir Daniel? No, you can take it first. Okay. So I'm going to run down my three. 
and I'm gonna tell you why I picked these three as a high level at the end. So my number three um, favorite girl group is In Vogue. Um, In Vogue, them girls could sing. Like even though they were assembled, that was the most perfect assembly of voices in that that initial four pack. <laughs> Shout out to Foster and McElroy. They did that. They did that. Those women could sing. They're amazing. My third favorite girl group of all time. Um, number two, the Pointer Sisters. This, we done talked about them on the last show. We're going to talk about them again. These women are the epitome of diversity and tenacity. <laughs> they went through so many lineup changes all sisters, right? It was just a revolving door mm-hmm. of sisters, right? But they produced some of the most timeless music of my childhood. And I am, they're one of my favorites. And my number one favorite is the Supremes. These are the goats. The blueprint. They the blueprint. Like all of these groups are following what Florence, uh, Mary, and Diana were doing. Um, and yeah, so they are my number one girl group of all time because of all they're the <laughs> Absolutely. I love your list. Um, we have some similarities. So my number three, and the only reason they're number three is because yeah, when y'all see who number one is, you, <laughs> you absolutely understand. Cause I always go hard for these, for those three. But anyway, my number three is the point of sisters. I echo everything that J Ray said about them being just quintessential musicians. Mm-hmm. Like their voices are truly instruments. You're talking about groups that span at least four decades of music. And we're talking jazz, Broadway numbers, um, country music, R&B, rock, you name it. The Pointer Sisters embodied everything and they just seem and you know there's a special magic there's a special um continuity that girl groups who happen to be related share mm-hmm. you, they, they share a, a vocal that yeah. vocal thing that vocal cord thing that family groups share you hear it with the jacksons you hear it with the braxtons mm-hmm. you hear it with pointer sisters there's a magic in what in their voices combining so and then they then they had they would look flawless too in all their mm-hmm. joints. So that's why the point of sisters are my number three. Uh number two, SSWWV. SWV, I mean, come on. They came around think about when you were in about eleventh grade, whatever group had the impact on you, I'm pretty certain they stayed with you until now. And SWV is that for me. SWV like provided the soundtrack to my prom. They provided the soundtrack to me riding around in the um in my first car with my friends and doing hood rat stuff. <laughs> and they they ran the 90s style-wise, they were on every magazine cover. Every black woman who was a a, a black girl in the 90s can pay homage to SWV and hype hair and black hair magazines for whatever happened to your edges at that time swv was responsible for you all were mocking the mocking the styles and they look great the nails Mm -hmm. everything and just dope ass music the marriage we got to thank mary 
Yes. For showing that the marriage between hip hop and R&B can happen. And SWV took that and they ran with it. They, their music is timeless and it, and it goes hard for like, a, for the hip hop community as well. And, oh, go ahead, Jerry. Real quick, something real quick with SWV too that I absolutely love is they're still working together. Still working together. They, I saw a post from Coco the other day that made me laugh because they were performing apparently somewhere <clears throat> and they set off this huge like explosion of stuff. And she was like, uh, Lily grabbed my hand and I grabbed Taj and we couldn't sing the, we couldn't sing the high note of week because they didn't tell us that they were gonna do this big explosion. <laughs> but what was so funny was like these are sisters. Sisters with voices. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I see what you did there, Jerry. Yes. So I think it goes without saying who my number one girl group is of all time. You've heard me singing their praises. You've seen my Instagram posts about them. I mean, I think I have a post of a picture of them that I remember from my Word Up magazines. Salt and Pepper, Cheryl, Sandy, and Dee Dee yes. are my number one girl group because I think they just had the most impact on me as far as having just the, the recipe, all the right stuff. The music was dope, well put together, well produced. They looked dope. They they had that um, accessible yet fly around the way girl chic about them. They looked relatable, but they also looked desirable. They had all of that going for them. And then they were just really dope at what they did. Like music wise, they were very they're very competent musicians and rappers. So and then they kicked down a lot of doors. They were the first female MCs to go platinum, first ones to get um were they the first group, female MC group mm -hmm. to get a Grammy. Grammy. Mm -hmm. There's not and there, and when you look back on it, there's not a lot of successful uh female rap groups. We've got mm -hmm. Salt Pepper, we got JJ Fab, we've got you know, you have a few, you got the trims, your finesse and quizzes. But none of them ever went to the heights of Salt and Pepper, and most recently they earned their Hollywood Walk of um, Hollywood Star on the Walk of Fame. So that's my countdown. Those are my three all-time favorite girl groups of all time. So you know we love a list over here at Key Points. <laughs> so and I love that you guys are sharing your list with us. Trey Trey loves TLC Destiny's Child on the Skate. Um, Mark McPherson loves the emotions and SWV and in Vogue, you know, um, Wani loves in Vogue and Jeanne. So this is a, a timely topic for mm -hmm. all times. Girl, I don't know what it is about the magic of women getting together in, in the name of music, but there is undeniably a magic that they all share when Absolutely. it gets, when it comes together. Y'all, thank you so much for like hanging out with us tonight. This is a meaty conversation. Like we ended up and y'all stayed with us for almost an hour and a half, yo. So Listen, and you know, we've been running our miles on here. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh Jay Ray, I gotta say this. Um, while we were in the middle of the show, it came across that uh, unfortunately Lisa Marie Presley has passed away at the age of fifty-four. Wow. And she's yeah. I Earlier, I saw that she had been rushed to the hospital for possible for possibly cardiac arrest. 
but she's apparently passed away and she was just at the Golden Globes, just at the Golden Globes. And I know that we've had, we've had our conversations about Elvis Presley on this show. More to and come. And I know more to come, you know, and not for wow. nothing, Elvis Presley, of course, is an icon, is yeah. iconic. He is. And Lisa married Michael Jackson, which yeah. created their own kind of piece of history. So um sad to say Lisa Marie Presley dead at the age of 54. And My that's goodness. young. That's, that's very really young. young. Definitely sending our love to um Mrs. Presley. I'm sure this is like wow. Um to our, your mom outlive you. Yep. Think about that. Wow. Wow. Um definitely sending love there. Um thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you just Q Points crew for rocking with us and hanging out with us and doing all the things. So once again, um, if you are an Insiders Max member, we do have Insiders Max members that are on this broadcast. You can hear DJ Sir Daniel's dope mix. He called it, what was it? Ooh, 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 the ooh, la, the ooh, la, la mix. Yes, because you know, because I don't do oohs and ahs. <laughs> Um, please be sure if you are interested in becoming an Insiders Max member so you can get that as well as some other dope stuff, you can go ahead and join uh, on our website. Please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Um, and make sure you tune in. If you're not following uh, DJ Sir Daniel on Mixcloud, you definitely need to be following him over there because he be just killing it with the sugar honey on the rocks over there and you can get your music fix. Um, this has been a super dope show, Sir Daniel. Absolutely. Thank you so much, J-Ray, for holding it down as usual. But what do I always say, J-Ray? In this life, you have a choice. You can either pick up the needle or you can let the record play. I am DJ Sir Daniel. And my name is J-Ray, y'all. This has been Q Points. We'll see you on the next go-round. Peace. Peace.